Hello and welcome to the podcast series, Narcissism Revealed with Dr. Provo. Greetings to all of my listeners, not only around the U.S., but around the globe. With that said, let's tune in to the next episode and welcome our special guest. Today's guest, and we're going to call him KC, is someone who I've known for about a couple of years. We've done some emotional work together, and he also did some time in prison, and he's going to tell you about that, but it all stems from his search and his constant, constant pursuit of a love from his mother, which he still has not attained. His story is a little heart-wrenching, although he sounds confident. He's a determined, intelligent young man but he just can't seem to get the love that he wants from his mother. Um, And you'll see the effects of that uh, as we welcome him to the show. Hi, my name is KC. I'm a 48-year-old Black male. I'm a college graduate, majored in political science, criminal justice. I have three daughters of my own. Um, And I think think that may be it right now. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your family. My immediate family. Let me start off from my mother. Um, my mom had me when she was very young at 15. Um, we migrated to this country. I was left there, but um, I came to America shortly after my mom arrived. Um, met my cousins. My cousins and everyone moved here. So we all became a family. I was the last one to leave. And pretty much I was raised by my grandmother great-grandmother, my auntie. And then when I got to Los Angeles is when I joined my mom again. And my grandmother pretty much was my caretaker, as I remembered, even though my mom lived in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my family setting until I had my own family years later, decades okay. later. Okay. And how many siblings did you have? There's two siblings. I have a brother and a sister. My brother has passed away, um, but my sister is still alive. And I have another sister by my father, but I, I don't really know her. I don't know my father's children. I just know the children by my mom. Okay. And do you have a relationship with your father? Um, yes. I love my father dearly. Even though my mom tried to alienate us every time I've seen my father um, from childhood to adulthood, um, he's always been that positive role model. He has never made me feel like I was not his son Um, My mom tried to tell me things about him when I was little, but the love I have for him and the appreciation has made me, I think, um, a better man because I know he was still interested despite my mom making it seems that he didn't really care for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just so so the audience will know, what country did you migrate from? I originally came from Jamaica. From Jamaica. And you know that this podcast series is about narcissism. And so tell us a little bit about who in your family you feel is the narcissist and a little bit about that relationship from the beginning. Who in my family, I think, is narcissist? Um, that's a good question. Now, the, the word narcissist, I'm still trying to get a good grasp of it. Mm-hmm. But if I had to choose someone based off of the definition, um, I guess I would say 
probably my my mom have some of those traits. Okay. And what um, is your relationship like with her? I love my mom dearly, um, but I think my mom suffers from some type of mental illness, bipolarism. Um, she can be friendly right now, and the next moment she will change and mm-hmm. be a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's whatever she says, you know, um, goes in the house. She basically ran the house with with her husband, my stepdad. Um, but she was, yeah, she was the head of the household. He didn't really have too much involvement that I could recall mm-hmm. um, as a good role model for me, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and what was that? You, I know at the beginning, you said your grandmother pretty much raised you. And so how did that go? And, and how did you grow up? At the time of my birth, my grandmother, she was on her way to America. She was the first one to arrive here. Um, so my great-grandmother um, was taking care of me. My, um, my mom, like I said, she was very young at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So they pretty much was taking care of me. And she left shortly after my birth. I think within, that, within a year or two after I was born, she was gone. So my auntie pretty much had, um, was responsible for raising me because my great grandmother was, um, elderly. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall my, my grandparents and my grandmother, great grandmother and my auntie is who I really relied on or remember having effect on me. My mom was there, but it was this, it's like, she was there. I didn't look at her as my mother based off of the treatment that I received from her. Okay. Okay. And what was that treatment like? Well, um, it started off when I came um, with the hair combing. My mom um, combing my hair, I would get my knuckles popped um, when she would comb it from the root. My grandmother would tell her, you have to start from the top um, reading. She would try to teach me how to read. And if I missed one word in a sentence, I would get popped. So it was, it was always punishment for any wrongdoing or mm-hmm. any mishap. Mm-hmm. um that's how that's how she resolved it she was a disciplinarian um and it was usually physical verbal but it was more physical um discipline than like verbal or even talking to me okay and so as you got older um did i know you were mostly with your grandmother who had come here first but right. then how did your relationship with your mother continue when I arrived, my brother was born in America, so my brother was here. One of the dynamics that changed is because of my arrival, um, a little bit of the attention had to be diverted from my brother, and I think that made him a little bit jealous because um, we started having problems, me and him, um, and that was it. I, I've also discovered that my brother's a little bit lighter than I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit dark-skinned, and my sister's dark-skinned, but it's been said that, or I know that my mother prefers light-skinned people, even though my sister's there. And she also wanted a girl. So it was a whole lot of um, questions that I had for myself as to why my mother wasn't treating me the way how I think a a child should be treated that Mm -hmm. I questioned. Um, But 
overall, um, yeah, it was just my mom. It was my grandmother. My mom was in the house, but it was still my grandmother that was making sure that um, I wouldn't get mistreated a lot and to, to watch over me when my mom would whoop on me or combing my hair. My grandmother was very observant. Um, of that to make sure that she didn't cross the line because um, like I said she would she would go to the extreme to me um, to punish me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and how did that affect you especially as now you're going toward adolescence um well it, it affected me greatly um, I look at it now um, after we were all in one big home it was it was a five-bedroom house um, that we all lived in. Then my grandmother ended up selling the house to move back to Jamaica temporarily. And um, everybody ended up getting their own uh, residence. And I was living with my mom. And what I noticed was the punishment got to me a little bit worse because I would go to school in the morning, get out of school and then go immediately to work. And I would get off sometimes at 11 o'clock, 1130. Um, my mom wouldn't pick me up. My auntie or my stepdad would pick me up on their way to work. But then I would get home and there would be like two, two stacks of dishes in the sink on both sides. And I was not there the whole day. I left the sink empty and come back and I am the one that I have to wash up at 1130 at night, knowing I have to get ready for school in the morning. So I felt it was always some type of punishment. Um, I remember one time me and all my cousins, I have um, eight, seven cousins, and all of us, including myself and my brother, went to the movie theater, and we all came home this exact same time, and I ended up getting a whooping um, because she said, I took my brother out, and I kept him out too late, and all of us was out. I was the only one um, out of the nine of us that got a whooping. My brother didn't get a whooping, none of my cousins, um, and I didn't understand that. That didn't make any sense to me. So I've got, I was always getting blamed for almost every wrong that occurred in the house, um, unless I could prove that I didn't do it. I was going to be the one to get the blame for it pretty much with my mom. Okay. And, and would you say, because we're, we're going somewhere with this story, would you say there was pent up anger from, as you didn't understand, how, how, what emotion, I said anger, but what emotion would you ascribe to? what began to set itself up in you? A lot of anger, a lot of resentment. Um, mm-hmm. at, at one point, I actually thought about harming my mom because I, I kept running away and I didn't understand again why I was always being punished for either my brother's mistake or his doings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just felt I, felt, I felt left out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel the equal treatment when school was starting. I couldn't buy the clothes that I wanted. I had to get whatever she wanted. Um, and I would get into fights at school because of, of the clothing I'm wearing and because of my name. And she, she didn't really care she, or she didn't understand. Um, but the treatment that she was giving me, it, 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 it was turning me into the opposite person of who I, who I, I realized who I naturally is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm a nice, kind-hearted person, but the anger that I grew up with, I, I tend to find myself lashing out at people, arguing, um, even my tone of voice. I spoke to a young lady um, once um, I met on the street, and she told me that I, I'm very aggressive, but I was in my natural state, and that kind of shocked me because 
um, I've always looked at my mom as having an aggressive tone. Mm-hmm. And I realized that with my sister and um, it's valid. It's, it was validated by a friend because my sister had pulled up alongside my vehicle um, last year and my friend didn't know that it was my sister. And she was like, who is that? Why she's talking to you like that? And I was like, that's just her natural tone. She doesn't mean anything, but it, it, it was offensive to her. So I understand that a lot of the things that my mom did was starting to um, come out slowly but I didn't recognize what it was um or what was going on I thought it was all natural um challenging everything that 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 I believe was wrong um instead of just letting it go or ignoring it um I tend to challenge everything because my mom wouldn't let nothing it seemed like she wouldn't let nothing go it could be days and she'll bring it back up and um I'd be in trouble for it or something but she didn't let Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff go so I find myself not letting a lot of things go I hold on to. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're saying that you began to take on her characteristics as you were growing up. Yes. Um, unknowingly, mm-hmm. I was right. taking them on. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm, I'm trying to correct those traits of my mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted you to tell the audience because, you know, I know part of your story because we've done a lot of work together and we've talked a lot. Uh, how did you end up going to jail uh, from this aggression and this buildup? What, how old were you? And can you tell the audience what happened uh, if you feel comfortable with that? Okay, well, um, what happened was, again, my father had sent me some money um, and I didn't have an idea at the time. And again, with the family situation, one of the things I noticed is that my mom seemed to, try to put separation between me, my brother, and my sister. Um, I, I don't know if it's mainly with me, but that's how I felt because um, we, didn't, we wasn't united. So I had a, a, one of my girlfriend's um, sister pick up the money for me, and she ended up taking the whole, all of the money. She later went to the police a couple of days later and told the police that I kidnapped her. And they arrested me for it. I explained to them what occurred. Um, I went to trial. Um, they found me guilty, not of kidnapping for criminal threats, but then they later reversed um, on appeal. They reversed the, the conviction and released me. So they at trial, they were able to get the truth that there wasn't a kidnapping, but they made a mistake as far as the threats and found me guilty of that one charge. There was actually six charges. They put six criminal threats on me and the kidnapping. But the only thing that they um, was able to get a conviction on was the the criminal threat, which later on they found was um, was invalid. Mm-hmm. So um, they overturned my conviction. They released me, and um, when I came out, no one in my family knew I was released. I basically surprised them um, when I got home. They released uh-huh. me, and that was it. Uh huh. And and just for clarity, who were you accused of kidnapping? My girlfriend's sister. Oh, your girlfriend's sister. Okay. Right. Okay. And who went to the police? The girlfriend's um, sister. No, the the sister and the um and the girl. They went. the 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 father, after she stole the money, I went to the parents' home and informed them what occurred, and they told me that they would get the money back, and they were paying me the money back, and about three months later, um, the police kicked my door in and they told me that um, they were arresting me for kidnapping. And I was like, whoa, it's a mistake. Call the father. He'll explain everything to you. 
But at that point, the father himself turned um, and claimed that he was never paying me any money. But there was documentation that he was paying me back the money that they stole. So all of those things, I think, um, at trial, the jury saw like this family is lying on this young man. Um, but that part of my life, I'm going to tell you, when I said um, was trying, I was scared because I was facing 37 years. They offered me seven oh. years. Then they went down to three years to take a deal. But because I knew I was innocent, um, my mom wanted me to take the deal. Um, I didn't take it. And after um, they, they gave me the three years, my mom basically told me um, not to appeal it. If I appealed it, she was upset. And I did appeal and she blocked her phone number to where I couldn't call her. And she tried to convince my grandmother not to um, accept any of my calls because mm -hmm. I appealed it. Mm -hmm. um which would i went against her her decision and that's what i was saying when i said she was controlling is this is my life and she said accept it i'm glad i appealed it because if i didn't um when they let me out they were they tried to deport me because of the felony when they realized that the felony was overturned that's what allowed me to remain in america so um okay. my mom's decision was bad uh-huh uh-huh and so it, it goes along with the pattern as you said it's her way or no way. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Did that further your anger and resentment or how did you cope after going through all of that? And I know we can't really get the audience to really understand what you really went through because it was really hard for you. There was a lot of fear and, and anger. How did you come out of that and how are you coping? That prison stay made me realize the value and the things that I was taking for granted. And I think a lot of us was taken for granted. Um, I was on the verge of becoming a diabetic. I, that's how um, hurtful the jail was. I, I was on the verge of becoming a diabetic. I was taking depression, um, um, Paxil for depression, which started affecting my eyesight to where I can't see from far now. Um, but the, the biggest thing that I got from that is you have to be patient and i'm learning that now because it was 37 years they gave me six I've, i did three years of it before they overturned my conviction and let me out i lost everything but i came out started school um and started getting myself back on track and and it made me realize that it was just me when i was in prison it's just you you have to take care of you okay. and it was at that point that i, I made my mind up um, and it's still difficult because I believe in family so much, but yes. I have to take care of me because even if my mom is not going to do it and didn't do it, then no one else is obligated to. So yes. now that I have the common sense to do it, um, it made me strong enough to say, you know what, take care of what you need to take care of. And one of the biggest thing was, I know without an education, um, you're going to, you're not going to really not say succeed but you're not going to have the success that most people um, hope for without yes. um, a proper education. Yes. So I, I went back to school and obtained my um, bachelor's in criminal justice and political science. And my plan is to um, enter law school to help those um, that faced situations like myself with a good attorney. Cause I know the public defender is overworked. Um, I went through five attorneys. So that's my goal is to try to make sure that right is done for people yes that can't afford it yes or don't have those that speak up for parents or um any support any relative that's supporting them because a lot of people i believe is is somewhat in the situation i'm in 
but a little bit embarrassed, especially in a black culture. I'm, I'm realizing we don't put a lot of our problems out there through embarrassment or um, just afraid of being looked at differently from yes. others that's within our circle. Yes. And what's interesting is as soon as I asked you, would you come on the show? You were like, yes, yes. I want someone yes. to hear my story. I want someone to know that they could turn it around even after a stint, you know, in, in prison. And so right. you were just so willing to tell your story. It's just so willing to open up. And, and I really appreciate that. And, and I just want to take the, I want to take the audience to the, to the next place that, I mean, you've overcome so much. And, and I know that because we've done a lot of emotional work over the last few years. Thank you. But tell the, tell the uh, audience how you've overcome the anger and the resentment with your mother, because that relationship is still strained. Um, you know what? A part of my cousin said to me that he don't feel that I've gotten over the anger, but I told him I have. Um, and I've been questioning just recently and I, I'm confident that I'm over the anger. I think I'm at the point where I've tried to build a relationship with my mom, um, in every way, um, possible, but when she gets upset again, it's her way or no way. As to your question, when you said getting over it, I think that I've accepted the fact that my mother cares about me. She may not love me like the traditional mom, but she cares about me. So if I've, I've accepted that and, and I'm willing to just, just take that and, and, and let it be. Um, right now, my mom is not talking to me. I don't call her because any little thing can start an argument. So I'd rather just keep the peace that way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've, as far as getting over it, basically I've just accepted the fact of who she is and that she may never love me like how the traditional mom loved their child and support yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but I know she cares. And I, I guess that's what I've, I've done is I've looked at the words, what love is and what care is she cares about me, but I question if she loves me, yes. you know? Yes. And, 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 and I know there was a time when that was hurtful. And, and one thing a person said to me, and this was a person that was 90 something years old. And they said, the first sign of maturity is acceptance. Yes. When you can accept the situation uh, and, and know that you can't change it. And and so one thing you've done is just distance yourself. And I want the audience to know that is an option. You right. know, and it's not that you'll never speak to her again, but putting distance is a way of caring for yourself. And could you just talk about that a little bit? Well, um, what I realize is that we do get along better from a distance um, and with limited conversation. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I can do is, 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 keep the peace in that sense if she calls I, I accept all her calls I talk to her but I look for certain things that I see as like I don't want to say a trigger but I look for the signs of her changing um I can tell her attitude um when she calls me sometimes I can tell she's calling a vent or she's just angry so I listen and try not to say anything that may get her upset even if it's telling her the truth, sometimes I, um, I, I, I've, I've had to restrain myself from telling her the truth because I already know it's going to upset her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just limiting myself and watching me cautious of, of what I say to her, but I still have to be honest with her because at some point, like I said, she, it seems like she goes in and out of reality. So mm-hmm. I don't want her to ever think that I'm deceiving her or I'm not telling her the truth on how mm-hmm. I feel about something. Um, but best thing is to just, just let her guide the conversation, um, which is basically, I call her on especially special occasions. I don't call my mother on a regular, she'll probably call me more um, mm-hmm. during the month or unexpectedly if she has something to say. But for me to call her like month, like during a, I say a June, there's no holiday for mothers in June. There's no reason for me to call. So it's usually Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Christmas, her mm-hmm. birthday that I initiate contact. Other than those days, it's, it's very difficult for me to initiate contact because I don't know her mind state. Yeah. And that's a way of taking care of yourself. And so I want to validate you for that. You know, uh, sometimes people who are not in difficult relationships don't understand that sometimes the best thing to do is distance yourself. And and one other question, as we close, um, um, would you still say that your relationship with her is different from the relationship with your siblings? Oh, very much so. Um, like I said, my brother passed away. So now it's just me and my sister mm-hmm. and I'm her, I'm her eldest. Um, I know she always wanted a girl. Um, now I'm seeing how she interacts with my sister. My sister is basically in a sense, like a parent to her. She has mm-hmm. given my sister that much leeway. The, the way how my sister communicate with her, I would not dare to talk to her like that. Um, but my sister is able to. I also noticed my brother was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the relationship with my mom is 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 trying because even with my children, she has never um sat down or wanted to meet any of my children's mom. I have two different um my my my, my three children are by two different women, and she has she was reluctant, she didn't want to meet none of them, neither one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, me and me and my current fiance is going through something. But because there's no relationship with my fiance, it's it's creating a bigger problem within my relationship because there's nobody for her to talk to um, on on my side. And she have, I guess, some, a similar situation with her mom. So I realized that parents is very important in, yeah. in, in a child's life, not only as a child, but even as an adult. Because we all look for that family. At least I would hope that all of us want that family environment. But I think that some of us don't get it. I'm yeah. one of them. And my yeah. mom, she doesn't even know her grandkids. My children um, know of her, but they don't know her like that. My, my youngest daughter, which is three years old now, just met her and, um, when she was two. And um, they only met one time. And I see the mm-hmm. joy in my, my mom, but at the same time, um, she loved kids, but I don't understand what it is like. She she will play with my daughter, but she doesn't want to have nothing to do with her mom, even though she doesn't even know her mother. Right. Um, which is weird to me. I don't get it. But all the the way how my mom reacts has definitely, without a doubt, have a major impact on who I am and what I'm going through right now. Yes. And um there's no other way to say it to where right now I know um, everybody looks at it. Everybody that knows my mom um, knows the situation is, is amazed by how she acts, not in a good way. They're just like, whoa, we see the difference in treatment. Um, and that's been told to me from I was mm-hmm. very young. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And I can hear, I can hear the emotion when you talk about it. And, and but I'm glad you're working on yourself. And, and I think that is the part that is going to get you through because you know I've told you many times. I want to see you go to law school. I know, and and we can disclose that you were in my class a few years ago, you know, in my statistics yes. class. And I mean, I think you got an A. I mean, the your work yes. ethic, your determination, and I think you came to my class right after you were were released, or sometime after you were released, and you came in just just with this, <laughs> this attitude of I'm gonna conquer the world and I'm gonna start with this statistics class. And statistics, statistics is hard, but you came in and you were determined to do everything I gave to you. If you had if, to spend if, extra hours. If, if I can just share this one story. I remember when um, I was in junior college and uh, one of my criminal justice class, I was in there. Cause I remember when I entered your class, I came in, I had braids in my hair at the time. Cause I had just got released and um, my whole, I was still getting used to the world the coming out. And um, I know that my appearance, people look at it, but my hair was well-groomed um, when I was in my criminal justice class. But my teacher basically said he thought that I was there for the college money. Um, he made that comment and he was surprised at the end because of um, I was one of the best students in the class for him. And that's something that I've been dealing with to where um, yes. I know my appearance um, matters to people that don't know me. And I remember walking into your class and um, I saw you look at me and I said, okay, she may be one of those teachers that's judging me off of how I look. And I understood mm -hmm. that, but then your care in explaining to me the things that I was asking about the statistics, the, um, all of how to, how to get it done. I think that once you realize that you became my mentor in helping me get to where I want to be the transition from, I, I guess I could say the prison life and the street mm -hmm, life mm -hmm. um, from the college because college was so beneficial. It taught me a lot. I honestly believe that everyone should go to college. It should be almost mandatory, but specifically you, you were like a counselor to me, um, a mentor um, after, and I never thought a woman could be like my mentor, mm -hmm. but um it helped me out a lot because for you to accept my, the image that you saw in front of you and work with me where some people was either embarrassed or scared of, you didn't let that affect you. You did your job and you, when I asked the questions, you didn't treat me because of my image um, or what you saw. And I think that it, it changed at the end of, of, of my year um, in Cal State Dominguez, um, it was slacks dress shirt and a tie yes um, yes I remember the transition so I I appreciate those that show show me or show my value or accept my value and that's something that I appreciate from you is the fact that you didn't just let a stereotype be the the your 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 decision maker on who I was you allowed me to to perform and to see what I was about Yes. Um, and you didn't judge me off of my appearance. And that was appreciated because a lot of the people, a lot of the students in the class didn't want to be my friends. When it was group projects, they probably thought I was going to mess it up or bring the group mm -hmm. down. Um, but my group always, always made it through. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy for that. So never judge yes. a book by its cover. That's, That's right. the truth. And I can <laughs> say when you first walked in, uh, I was more concerned with the fact that you were late. <laughs> and I said, remember, I said, young man, you need to be on time. 
and you said right. yes now. And then you came up to me after class and you said, you know, I have to ride, I ride my bike and I ride a long way, but I'll make sure I get up earlier. And you were so articulate. I didn't even, I, I didn't even notice. I mean, I just, once you started doing your work, I was so impressed with you that your appearance wasn't even on your my, my mind. The only thing I noticed is that you were real late and I didn't want and, you to miss the content of the class. And, and I don't know if you remember why I was late because your class was booked. That's one thing. All of your classes was, was, was always booked that mm -hmm. I noticed after, but it was, I was on the overflow. They said, okay. um, I didn't understand what overflow was. They said to go in and I, I just went in and sat down and I didn't even, I wasn't even sure I was going to make it in the class. And, and, and um, if I was going to be accepted in the class because mm -hmm. of the waiting list, mm -hmm. but I'm glad everything worked out how it did. Yes. Um, so, and, and when you told me, I respect, I respect rules, may not agree with them, but I respect okay. them. And when you told me, uh -huh. don't be late. I was like, okay, I, uh -huh. I need this class. Um, I'm not going, I'm not trying to create a problem for this teacher. So um, mm -hmm. after that, I respect what you told me. Yeah. And I, I can testify, you are an A student. And, it, and of course, during the class, I didn't know your story, but for you to come in and have that kind of determination after what you had gone through, I am so proud of you. And I Thank hope you. that the audience that is listening knows that it is a made up mind that can do anything that you want to do. And you made up your mind that I am going to pass this class after all that I have been through. And you yes. did it. So I hope that that's a testimony to someone who is trying to get up from something they have fallen. Uh, you, you can make it. And I want you to right. just leave the, leave the audience that you know that you're talking to with your best advice as we close. My best advice is this. Um... When you're going through a lot of trouble, um, it's, it's basically a, you're in darkness. You don't know what direction, where the door is, but if you stand there and don't move, you will never leave that darkness. You have to take steps forward, whether you're walking, you have to make, you have to take some progressive steps in order to get out. So when it's dark, just keep walking forward. And when you get to the bridge, you cross it, you deal with that bridge, but don't stay, stay still and, and wait for someone. It's only you. No one is going to feed you. It's your feet. If you don't walk, you're not going to make it. So um, just always remember that you have to stay moving. Um, it's only you. Don't yeah. let no one stop your stop you from getting to where you want to be. It gets difficult. And, and when that darkness comes, there's light, but you have to find it. You have to move in order to get to the light. Other than that, you're going to stay in darkness forever. So don't let nobody hold you down. Don't let nobody stop your, your, your forward progress. Even if you don't know where it's going, keep yes. walking, keep yes. walking. Awesome. 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 Casey, you are the captain of your own ship. And we are going to thank say you. goodbye. And I, I just thank you. I am impressed with your willingness to open up about your story. And I just appreciate you so much. Just stay on the call after we say goodbye. Say goodbye to the audience. And we're going to end this episode. All right. I say goodbye to your audience. And I wish your audience the best. Okay. Bye-bye. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you all for listening. And for more information about narcissism, you can follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Until the next episode, stay safe and healthy. Bye-bye.